I think as you're thinking about communication at work, um, think about what you prefer and what helps you be most productive. Think about your team and what's going to work best to move work forward in your team. And then, and then think about how you might be able to impact the org. Even though you might not be sitting at the top of the org, you will be able to make a, a change by doing things differently and finding more efficiency in it. So just, just really thinking about all of your interactions are so important. And what are you learning from the last one that you can apply to the next one? Don't worry about boiling the ocean, so to speak, and changing your whole workplace culture at once. Just pick one new thing and try one new thing and see where that leads you. And if it's clunky at first, of course it is. Don't give up on it. Um, that's how we learn. And we uh, like to say, make it 1% better the next time. And you'll be amazed at where you are six to eight months from now. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of the Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and videos in the workplace. Today, we're gonna to be talking about workplace communication. And you're probably saying, I have too much workplace communication. Please don't give me any more. Or it's, oh, why does that take so long? Or why is it so hard? Or why so many meetings? Why does this, why that? Workplace communication is one of those things that we, we probably don't talk about a lot but it's one of those things that affects our every single day of what we do. And today we've got two great guests who are gonna help walk us through how we can maybe get some better workplace communication or things that we should be talking about and thinking about to help us improve. So first off, I mean, Mr. Senior Portfolio Marketing Manager and passionate student of the social science aspects of communication in the workplace. Emmy's main area of focus is working to better understand common pain points among businesses and teams, especially those working in hybrid and remote environments to help them find solutions through improved processes and technology. Daniel Foster is a director of strategy at TechSmith, who, of course, you know, we make Camtasia, Snagit, and all their great tools. Daniel helps the company invest and experiment for growth. He has 21 years of software industry experience, spanning strategy, product, marketing, and community. Daniel enjoys world travel. He's got some favorite places, including India, Israel, Brazil, and China, and he loves sailing on liquid and solid water, if you know what that is, disc golf, and he loves speaking at conferences. With that said, please help me welcome Emmy and Daniel back to the Visual Lounge. Thank welcome. You, thank you. Welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for joining me. Glad to be here. It's always a privilege. Yeah, so I want to start off. Uh, I mean, we're going to ask the, the the first question to you. I, I would love to know because obviously you're you're doing all this work right now, a lot of workplace strategy stuff, workplace comms. How, how did you get involved with this idea of like improving the workplace and workplace communication? Well, workplace communication trends have shifted decade after decade. Uh, there's nothing new about that. But of course, we were all thrust into a force change when we had to go remote a few years ago. And then we are now um, out of that time and able to go back. And that's where my interest really peaked is this thought of what does going back mean? Are we going back to the same exact workplace that we had before? Certainly not. There are so many good things that we learned about communicating in the workplace through a remote model that can be applied to today. And that's where my passion picked up. And I hope to um, share that what I'm learning about not just technology, but people and process and culture um, to help people really lean into what the future of work looks like. 
Yeah, it does definitely. It seems like I turn around, I find an article that's about like either CEOs forcing their workforce back or some change from, you know, remote to hybrid or hybrid to full time. It's just, and so it seems like there's a, a lot going on, a lot of change happening at the at this point in time. So, so Daniel, different question for you though. I'm curious from your perspective, as you obviously are in, deeply involved in this space as well. What does success for good workplace communication look like? I, I know that's a very broad thing, and it could be very specific. But like, if you had to generally define that, what would it look like? Yeah, I mean, there's always like multiple players and preferences at work in there. So I, I think of it as a balance between what individuals want. Um, so it might be convenient for me. It might be uh, what's easiest for me as an individual, and that certainly matters. But then you also think about the team or the group norm. So how about, how about the person I'm you know, sending this communication to? How are they receiving it? And are they able to quickly parse it and know what they're supposed to do and respond in a way that's going to help both of us or all of us as a group? And those norms get worked out in those smaller groups. And then most of us operate within a larger organization. And so you have norms where, you know, if you're communicating with people across the org or in different groups, obviously, you know, you don't want to be like a clash of cultures. So uh, there's some stuff that just has to get worked out sort of at the organizational level, too. And um, and obviously, you know, bosses and people running the company um, have expectations about productivity and, and output. And uh, so do we as individuals. We want to work efficiently and well, too. So it's a lot of things uh, kind of balancing and putting keeping them in tension. Yeah, for sure. Well, before we dig deeper into the workplace comms kind of overall topic, and I've got some questions uh, based on some of the things you guys have talked about at, at some events, um, I want to just ask you, we always like to ask our guests before we get too deep, a tip, uh, you know, like a tip for using visuals or video in the workplace. Um, what What's one tip you would want to give our audience before we get deeper into the workplace comms? Daniel, we'll put you on the spot first. Wow. So I would go with one of the easiest ways to get started trying to use video if you just haven't ever done it at work before is, is asking for feedback or giving feedback with video. Um, so probably uh, even giving feedback might be one of the easiest. So someone sends you a document and says, you know, give me all your comments on this. Now you can use the, the commenting features. Um, now if, they, if what they sent you was, um, here's a survey that has multiple panels, right? That's even harder to give feedback on. But just being able to fire up the camera and, and have the screen recording visible, so whatever it is you're giving feedback on visible, and just go through it. And in a really human way, give them you know, the pros and cons. And, and you're complimenting things that you're like, this is really strong. Uh, but you know, I would probably do this here instead, and here's why. Uh, for one thing, it's just a lot faster to do. You can actually give more feedback faster uh, using that. And it's way more humanized and kind of personal. Uh, it's not like someone's tearing up your work and, you know, uh, pointing out all of its flaws. Everyone loves their baby and thinks their baby's beautiful. So uh, that, that would be where I would start first. Yeah, I love that. So it's, uh, you know, I always dreaded the red pen for my English teachers and professors, you know, because it's like, oh, everything is wrong. It was very rarely a compliment in there. So I, I love that approach. Yeah. And, and how often did you wonder like, okay, I see your little tiny comment that you put, but like, I want to know more because I'm trying to learn here. I'm trying to get better at this. And so, yeah, like I think just being able to get a little more detail is so helpful too. Yeah, absolutely. Emmy, what about you? What's one tip you would give to the audience? I'll build upon what Daniel was saying about humanity and don't worry about perfect. Don't let perfection get in the way of getting started. Um, a lot of the process and technology, the things that we can do to communicate more efficiently 
are started by just one person giving something a try. And it's imperfect and you throw it out there in the world and then it builds over time. No one's getting this right, right, whatever that is exactly overnight. Um, but I think we see time and time again, this fear of just making the smallest change to get started. So that's my tip. Dive right in. Yeah, I love it. Great, great advice, right? You never get better. You're never going to know what's going to work if you don't at least try it. So as we as we look at workplace communications, I know the uh, event that TechSmith held in earlier in 2023 called Level Up, you guys talked about the five broken communications. And, and I'm curious, that, that idea of broken communications, what is broken, do you think, in our kind of modern communications that you, you would want to share with us today? And either one of you can take that. I, I can start by responding and saying that this isn't new to a remote and hybrid workplace. These communications were broken even before we were working this way. And now it's just really elevated the opportunities that we have to improve them. So when you think about anytime you're sitting in a situation synchronously with lots of people and it's not conversation, it's not collaborative, it's not one idea spurring off the next, there's something broken there that says everyone has to work where I want them to and when I want them to and all be on their game at the same time. There's a better way um, to communicate with one another because we know that that's not realistic to think that everyone, for whatever reason, is showing up with the right set of information and mind share to really bring the best work forward. So that's when we talk about the five broken communications, um, you'll see that theme throughout each of them, that this idea of forcing people of when and where to work and expecting that we're all magically going to be on point at the same time is really unrealistic. For yeah, sure. I think For the sure. idea that I can work independently, but if we work, the only way that we can work is in a room, in a meeting or in a Zoom um, it just doesn't work anymore. And it's so inflexible. And so it bumps up against the other things that we all want, which is flexibility and where and when we work, you know, and everybody wants that to some degree. And some of us are granted that a lot because our companies are like all in on hybrid. And some of us, you know, take it here and there where we can. But, but yeah, all of that um, is kind of fighting against that to say, we, we ha I have to command your um, presence <laughs> And maybe I'll command your attention. Maybe, you know, that's optional. You might be on your phone or thinking about something else. But, you know, that's the only way that I'm going to get a group of people to, to do some work together. And that's that we've moved way beyond that, right? And, and tooling can help us uh, or get in the way of that. But it's, it's also that mindset. So I want to get to those, those, some of those broken communications. And I, I, I'm guessing here the five is just like it's a limit because it was a presentation. You can only do so many, right? There's probably lots of these. But, you know, to your point, Daniel, it does seem like there is this sense of some people are saying like, no, you got to be here. You got to be present at least to do this work. What and maybe this is a too hard of a question. I don't know. But like what where do you think that stems from? What what is the draw for that? Because it must be that some organization somewhere has felt the benefit of having just people there. And I think to understand maybe how we get past it would help me to understand, like, why why are people leaning to that when they could have flexibility or they could try these other things? I think a lot of it is it can be um, sort of a choice or a mandate. But I also think a lot of it's just habit. Um, mm -hmm. If you think about how a lot of people construct their work week, they construct it around their calendar and the calendar is what dictates what you do next. And so if I need some something from other people, the only way I'm going to get it is if I put a thing on their calendar and make them show up, right? And, and then that kind of breeds more of that 
habit because then I look at my week and I go, well, these are all my commitments, my meetings. And then maybe if I have other work that's my own work or deep work or planning or something like that, I'll try to fit it around that. So a lot of it just, I think, gets there because it becomes the dominant kind of habitual way to work unless you break that. Yeah, it does. It does feel like uh, there's trust there too, right? Like if, if I need something done and the only way I can trust and ensure it's going to get done is if it's maybe in that slot, whereas otherwise I have to trust that you're going to get to it or I'm going to get to it, whatever it might be. Right. So, so yeah, I appreciate that. Can, yeah, uh, yeah Annie, I please. That, um, I, I like that you added that trust and accountability and it doesn't necessarily mean someone watching you all the time or not trusting that you're not taking a nap during your workday. I, I think that's a old perception. But um, our founder, Bill Hamilton, used to say that message sent doesn't equal message received. And a recent study by Forbes reported the number one frustration that people have working remote and hybrid with digital communication is sending a message and feeling lack of response for extended period of time. So you think about that frustration. I think that coupled with these habits that if I have you in person, um, that I can structure my workday. And also, if I have you synchronously or in person, then I know you're receiving my message or at least have stronger belief that you're receiving my message contributes to that hesitancy for people to try an asynchronous approach. Interesting. I, I've got thoughts. I'm going to hold them because I want to. I want to make sure we get to some of these other questions. But so let's let's talk about some of these broken communications. We don't have to go through necessarily all of them, but what are the communications that you feel like are broken or that could be improved that stand out to the the two of you? I'll I'll pick on one really easy one. We talked a little bit about feedback previously, but one really easy one is the is the presentation. Uh, that you feel like you have to get people into a room to talk at them. Unfortunately, it's often at them. And you, you've you seen a room full of people getting talked at this way, getting meeting, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like that. And and it's just like glazed over or on their phones or doing other work. Um, on Zoom, it's easier to just do other work. People can't tell if you're doing that. Um, but, you know, what's broken about that is that Often there is something in there that is the important part that you're trying to convey. And you do want people not just to know it, but hopefully to like give you some input or feedback or what, what about, you know, you, you, what's the next step we take? Why is this important? And so you're, if you're having that communication disconnect, you're really not doing that. Um, and so one way that we've really advised folks is to take that asynchronous and you can, it's the easiest thing to package up some presentation or material or visuals or an idea, right? And do that as a video, send that out, uh, and then just expect a response and also just make sure to tell people what you're hoping to get from them. Because a lot of us want to be good coworkers, you know, we want to help each other win and help the organization win, but you, you have to be specific about this is what I would like you to do after you've received this message and here's what I need back. And then I think that really can work asynchronously and, and get us out of that room where we're just watching someone read bullet points off of a slide at us, which is sort of the worst. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what's, what's another one of these communications that you feel like is, is just maybe broken for our day and time? Well, we hear it often working in hybrid remote. It makes it more challenging for employees to engage in informal learning opportunities. So this shoulder tap moments that we used to have and what happens and why that's broken is um, sometimes working hybrid and remote will have, especially newer employees, will hold their questions or get stuck at a spot on their work. And it doesn't feel like a big enough question to reach out and 
what people would say interrupt someone in their very structured digital day um, to ask that question. And so um, a different a way to flip that opportunity is to, you know, use quick visual communications to ask your question if you're the person seeking that training and then respond as well or provide this, you know, shorter piece of information that might be a frequently asked question and then share that again and again and again as it gets asked by different people from you. I mean, think of how many times you in your role get asked the same question by different stakeholders and doing that with a piece of visual communication that you have on hand will enable you to answer that same question consistently and quickly and take back those informal training opportunities, um, helping people really keep work moving forward, even though we can't bump into each other in the hall or just pop into one another's offices. Yeah. And I I love that you're thinking also about the reuse, right? Like that you do this in, uh, there, there are some things that will probably only be used once, but there's probably things that can get used over and over. I've got those, I have things I still ask about at at TechSmith, right? Like, gosh, how do I do this? It's been a year since I I last did that. So how do I do it? And it's nice to be able to, when I can find those resources to come back to them. I want to ask a question and we'll get back to more broken communications, but I want to ask a question here because Daniel, you mentioned video and Emmy, you mentioned visuals. And I'm, I'm curious, as you're thinking about workplace communication, how are, are the two of you making some of those determinations about what you're going to use in terms of like what to present? You know, like obviously I think as a, as a company, TechSmith, we make tools that make this easy, right? We've got Snagit that does really great things. If you really want to get heavy into video, you got Camtasia. But how are you determining when that's appropriate? Like when you're just going to do a, a screenshot or maybe a couple screenshots versus a video? Do you have any guidelines or kind of suggestions around that? My rule of thumb that I tend to use is if I can literally communicate it in one frame, you know, one screenshot with maybe some annotation uh, and get the whole point across, either it's a question or a, hey, look at this, or uh, does this look right to you? Or here's the answer to what you were asking me. You know, if I can do that in one kind of one frame, I will do that as, as a screenshot. Often I just copy and paste that into Slack, right? Because that's where we, that's our hub of work. Often that's where the question came in. I try to put it into channel often where other people might see it. Or if I do think it needs that reuse and I'm probably going to use it again, I'll put it on screencast to make it available for others. And then if, and then if it's like two or three, a sequence of two or three screens or bits of information, I might use a template in Snagit because that lets me actually lay out two or three things. And I just did that yesterday that I wanted to show someone. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was like, I think a competitor product. And I was like, Ooh, I really like how they do this, but it's, you know, it's two or three screens. So I showed that. Uh, and then if it's like something that unfolds over time, or I have to, I want to explain it and really narrate it and, and go in more in depth, or it's multiple kind of screens or steps, then that's when I use video. Uh, and, and I mean, again, I will brag on Snagit a little bit, but all of them are equally easy to do. It's not like I have to like plan a lot. It's a very instantaneous decision between those three. And then I'm off and running. I'll plus one that with Daniel. So first for me is whatever's quick and easy. So I always, I think it's safe to say, I'm always relying on visual communication because we all know the saying that a picture is worth a thousand words and it's been proven. So how do I go from image only to video? Is if that text that's accompanying my visual goes from you know this short to this long, three to five sentences might be okay. But after that, I'll stop myself, delete that text, and record a quick video because I know that that message is more likely to be consumed. And really, we're thinking about the recipient 
ourselves to make it quick and easy, but also we want our message to be heard and acted upon. And so we want to make that really good. I'll also say the breaking point for me when it's not a visual, elevates to video, and then it's no longer just a video, and I really do need that synchronous meeting, is when my videos start hitting that seven-minute mark. Then I realize I need to likely flip that meeting, share the video for pre-context, but then get together in a room or synchronous Zoom or whatever it may be to have the more collaborative conversation. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that elevation. Go ahead, Daniel. I was just going to totally um, springboard off of that thought for the audience. Um, that is so critical. And so sometimes I'm starting to make a video and I'll realize, I, I think the thing to keep in mind is video is a great thing to be sent, but you it takes you a minute to, to engage with it, right? If it's a two or three minute video, you can do it 1x or 2x or, you know, whatever, 1.5 speed. But essentially you are still asking for some minutes, right, from the person and so then I'm instantly thinking, how do I make this super concise? Even if it takes me a little longer, I know that if I'm going to send it to five or eight people, I can't, I don't want to take a lot of time from five or eight people. I'll maybe throw in a quick table of contents. Again, Screencast makes that easy. So then they can jump around or whatever. So just being super respectful of the ask and the commitment it is to even watch the video and then just making sure that every one I send Hopefully the next one I send, the person will be like, oh yeah, he really respected my time last time. I'll, I'll watch the next one. You know, it's a, it, it's a little bit of that. Well, I, I love this because it actually gets into some of the questions I was going to ask and you've already answered a, uh, one or two of them, but I'm, I'm curious because so TechSmith, as you both well know, we did this uh, async month where we basically said, yes, you can have meetings if you need to, but try to do everything asynchronously first. Uh, and one of the, the drawbacks was just like, all of a sudden I had lots of videos to watch and I was trying, like the amount of information it felt like just went up, even though I wasn't going to meetings, which, you know, I think it was a fair trade-off, but I, I have found that sometimes it feels like, gosh, if I'm watching, if Emmy sends me a video and Daniel sends me a video and then two other, if it ends up feeling heavy. And I'm curious, what advice would you give? Because I think that that's a, it's a challenge. I, I think there's still the benefit to me in the long run is I can view it when I want. I don't have to go sit in a meeting that's probably... 15, 20 minutes longer than it needs to be. But how do you help people kind of the organizations when if they're like, yeah, th let's do this, we're in. How do we overcome this challenge that just kind of information, so much information? And I'll, I'll be clear too, that it's not just video as a medium. I'm feeling this at times with like Slack, right? Like how many right. channels open do I have on Slack? How many messages are there? How many messages that don't really matter because it's a general thing or it's to someone else, but I, I'm like, oh, I better see what that is. So I'm, I'm curious if you have any advice for, I'm actually just seeking therapy and advice at this. I think that some, some of it is of evolution of norms and us getting just used to the, so part of it is recognizing I am, you know what, you know what you to do when you get invited to a meeting, right? Because we've been invited to meetings and you sort of have some idea of maybe you prepare in advance, maybe you show up cold, but whatever, you know, what's expected of you and you plan for it. And when someone is initiating asynchronous interaction with you, you, you it's it's new habit, right? But you go, oh, okay, that's what this is. It's not just a, a quick email that I'm supposed to read and then whatever, delete, right? They, they actually want me to do something to engage on this so that we can move this forward. So it does take a little bit of a maybe pausing to say, does this fit into my day right now? Or does this fit into my day later? And how will I make space for that if it's later or by tomorrow? And again, that's where the really clear asks and the really clear deadlines are so critical to making asynchronous work work is that the person asking has to be clear. But if you know that, then 
you can use like in Slack, you can say, remind me in an hour, or you can put a, a meeting with yourself on your calendar if that's the best way to protect the time, right? And then watch that later uh, and spend the time with it it deserves. So yeah, it feels a little bit like you're still building social contracts, but it's a different contract, right? A meeting yeah. is a social contract that you're going to, I mean, you're either going to accept or you're going to decline the meeting. But but then if you accept, you're going to show up, you're going to be ready to participate or be there at least in, in body. Uh, so it does feel a little different, right? And I think we're, we're, we're getting, we, we have to change some things. So I, I'm, I'm curious, uh, and I mean, I'd love to get your your perspective on this, particularly because these changes um, takes momentum. It take, takes influence for this to work through an organization. It, it, again, if I'm a leader in an organization, whether it's a, a smaller team or maybe it's a department or who knows, maybe it's a CEO, what advice would you give about changing that, that momentum and influence to make this possible? Because I definitely have talked to people who said, oh, my company would never want to do this. We like meetings or they're they're very culturally meeting heavy. So what would you say to that group? Well, that that feeling of asynchronous and overcoming it. So when we did our experiment at TechSmith, we did take an extreme route of async first, trying to go to almost no meetings to really immerse ourselves in the problem. And we didn't believe that that was our, going to be a recommended solution at the end. And, and we proved out that it wasn't, but we intentionally didn't set a lot of guidelines and guardrails or what we're calling norms because we wanted those to come from our team. And so that's my advice is to let the norms come from your team. We can share what's working at TechSmith and that might work for your teams as well. Um, However, you're probably going to have even more innovative, relevant solutions because of the habits you already have working together. And at the end of the day, it's about intentionality. So if I were to set a hard and fast rule to get started with a, a truly thriving async culture, I'd say start by replacing your one-way meetings. The one-way meetings like inform meetings, status updates, metric shareouts, um, that direct feedback, um, those can be async. And that's a good, safe starting spot that gets you out of those places where you're sitting just staring at Zoom or in an in-person meeting with one person talking the whole time. From there, you can start to establish some norms. And I'll just share two. I I have a long list. I'd happy to share the whole thing. But um, building on what Daniel said, and he said this before, the three Ds. When you are reaching out for feedback, ask for what feedback you do want, the feedback you don't want, and a deadline. And I think what happened in our asynchronous environment in July, we were peppered with messages from lots of different channels, like you mentioned, Matt. And it was unclear often, what is my role? Do I need to respond to this? Is it just an FYI? And since we're not seeing each other ever, like, what's the equivalent of saying, yeah, I've got that? So... Use the three Ds, the feedback you do want, don't want, and a deadline. And then the second piece of advice is emojis. Um, Oftentimes, we just need a thumbs up or a, hey, yes, message received. And it doesn't have to be, we don't need a response on everything all of the time, but we do need that affirmation. So our teams have adopted emoji use, and it actually provides a little bit of fun to the day, too. You know, it's funny you bring this up because I literally was having a conversation right before this about how we should probably have like five standard emojis that mean like very specific things. Like obviously the eyes get used a lot. Like, oh, I see that. But like maybe a clock that's like, I'm getting to this later. Don't I, you just gonna have to wait or or whatever it might be. We know from uh, some news reports that the thumbs up is what that's passive aggressive, I guess now. So I don't know if I can use that or not. I still do. Uh, 
right? <laughs> right. So yeah. So and some teams actually have you know created those norms. Uh, it's it's kind of a matter again of like if each culture, it's, if each team or pod is its own culture, then how do you translate that? But yeah, I just want to point out really quickly those three Ds. That's actually the same thing that should go through our head when we're sent a calendar invite, right? Is like. Um, do, do I know what my role in this is? Should I even accept this invite? Um, does it have an agenda? Is and, and and sometimes you're you're stuck in the room, and that's the problem with synchronous meetings is you're you're trapped there. And most of us don't have a culture of like you know use your feet, vote with your feet. That's just a little hard to do with your team. But some of that you know sometimes you realize halfway through like there is actually no role here, or I don't know what this person is actually asking for. So we're going to have this really long, complicated discussion, and it's probably going to go nowhere. And I would rather be doing something else. So at least with asynchronous, you can kind of make those judgment calls without sort of being trapped in the room. Absolutely. Well, I, I have one or two more questions, but I want to make sure we, we've got two, at least, of the five broken communications. Let's get a, get a few more here. What, el what else is broken in our communications? Okay, I'll share one of my favorites. So I do not like writing meeting agendas. Um, I it, it seems just laborious to me, but meetings without context, of course, are a broken communications. And so what is a better way to provide context prior to a meeting that's not, you know, typing up a very long agenda? And, and this is where I love to use video. Um, I'll prompt questions and share a one to two minute video as my pre-meeting agenda and to provide any base layer of information that I want people to already have and mull over before they get in that room. And one of the biggest reasons I love that, not just because I personally don't like creating agendas, is it really promotes inclusion. We all know that there are blurters in the world and I'm one of them, so I'm not saying that as a negative. I think something and I can blurt it right out. Um, but there are also people who are more introverted or deliberate, have just a different process for processing information and then being confident sharing it. And so it really levels the playing field to provide that little bit of context with video, with a little personality, a little humanity before you get people together synchronously so all your voices can be heard. I mean, I've never heard that term blurter, but it makes so much sense. And I might be the opposite where I'm like, I need like several hours and then I'll have something come to me that I blurted out and it, no one's there to hear me. So I love it. Daniel, another broken communication for us. So what, one that I've experienced, um, you know, a lot of organizations have different sort of work practices at TechSmith. We use agile methodology ish, you know, we're not real religious about it, but um, one of the kind of ceremonies or things that happens on Cadence is teams demo their work, right? So they're showing like, hey, here's what we've accomplished. And um, often it's unclear who is that for and what's the purpose? You know, what is it supposed to do? Is it just backslaps and like, hey, high fives? Or is it, you know, actually demoing it for some stakeholders to give some input on, uh, like, you know, ask questions and then create a conversation and maybe have some different action items. So uh, as a stakeholder, I get um, invited to a lot of these demos, and I honestly can't make some of them. And it's really sad because I feel like I'm not appreciating the team's work by not being there. But when those are moved asynchronous, then as a stakeholder, I can go in and engage later. And I'm able to even ping you know, individually at mention or, or contact the person who was sharing that bit and ask a question. And ideally, that would you know create some some 
other kind of interaction or conversation or maybe some to-do items or additional research items. So I think that's one of the ways that often, you know, when it's done synchronously, it's kind of a, it feels like a little bit of a waste and no one really wants to stop the whole proceeding and be like, I have a question or I want to say something, right? Because it's a room full of people and uh, usually they're big meetings. So I think just moving it async provides a lot more opportunity for engagement and hopefully making the ideas and, and whatever it is you're working on, the project or the product, even better uh, by having that engagement. Yeah. And it gives time for pro- that processing time, I think sometimes is so helpful, right? Because I often yeah. don't think, like I said before, I, do, I sometimes I just need time to think about it. And I, I don't have that immediate like reaction of like, what that mean? What does that mean? So I love that. All right. We got four. Can we, is there one more we could give to our audience? Daniel touched on it earlier, but the, the metrics update. So mm. many of our goals require us to share very detailed, complex information. And if you've ever said, I've always think of the Charlie Brown teacher, wah, 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 wah. Um, it can be really tough to sit through those meetings, but also it's really tough to deliver that information. And organizations have found that when you present it live, that um, you miss certain points that are key. So if you flip that and present your metrics asynchronously, then it allows us to be, of course, more efficient with our time. You can record that video once and share it with everyone who needs to see it. So we don't all have to sit in the same place watching that share out and people can watch it when it works best for them. When it works best for them is really important with metric share outs, because when you're getting a lot of data and your mind's not there because it's you know, torn in different places for a different project, or maybe you have to, you know, be somewhere at 3 p.m. and that's on your mind. And therefore, not being super present for whatever reason um, can make that share out inefficient. So provide a video, people can watch it on two times the speed, they can slow it down, they can rewind, watch it again. Um, So it allows us to be more thorough and accurate, um, more gracious to our recipient of that information, more inclusive because people have time to process that information before they ask questions. Um, and also ultimately allows the organizations to be more data-driven because we're going to miss less of that important context. Um, the other part of this that is key and critical here, when sharing metrics, if you're the person delivering that information, it's really tempting to spew everything you know, but instead really call that down to your three and five main three to five main points. Because ultimately, you're looking to let those metrics tell a story that makes your teams be able to take smart action. So um, for all of those reasons, that's when we're super passionate about it as well. The metric share out is a broken communication that is definitely more efficient when you can record that as a video and share it out instead. Yeah. And I got to imagine that your ability to focus, like to show whatever the key data is in context is so much easier, right? You can really... I mean, I'm just going to snag an image, right? I can draw an arrow. I can put a box. I can really emphasize where maybe on the screen it's, I might be sitting in the back of a room and maybe it's hard for me to see because I'm not wearing my glasses because they're always smudged. I hard right. to see. Yes. So. That's screen draw with Snagit and um, coming soon with our next minor release is cursor effects. So the ability to highlight your cursor right on screen to add emphasis to the point you want people to see. I'm pretty pumped about that. Can't wait. Yep. Well, the other thing I'll mention about that video yeah. piece is you're in the room, right? And you miss something and you're like, can I rewind 15 seconds? I do that on my <laughs> podcast all the time. I hit that back 15 second button. Uh, but, you know, in the room, it's really hard to do. And half the people in the room are like, come on, <laughs> I don't want to back up. So with video, you can just, you know, hit that minus 15 and hear it again. 
we're getting close. I want to get to the speed run, but one of the questions I wanted to ask you, maybe takes us a little far afield, but I hope it's okay, is obviously right now there is a buzz. There is just a buzz about AI in the workplace, and obviously there's a lot we've already said on the show about using AI for video. I'm curious, from a workplace communication standpoint, future take, like, uh, Emmy, you are a future work strategist, Daniel, you're a director of strategy, you're looking ahead. How is AI going to help change the way people are communicating, or is it just kind of, is it going to be a bust? I know people who want you to say it's going to be a bust. I don't know if that's true, but I think they, some people want that. Daniel? I've played, I've played around a little bit with it uh, myself, obviously, to try to, you know, using some of the available tools like ChatGPT, um, to, to try to test out some different things. And so I think that story is largely yet unwritten. I will say there's some hints of some brands. Um, we haven't gotten there yet with TechSmith, but of sort of coaching. So think about not everybody's a great presenter. Uh, and we all, when we're making a video or just presenting information verbally, we're basically a presenter, right? And so I think that a, there's some AI opportunity there to help us uh, in the delivery. And then I would also say in the planning, um, so far I've had mixed success, but I have asked uh, ChatGPT to help me outline something, right? Outline a communication, not write it, because I don't trust it that much yet. <laughs> uh, and especially not to know my context, right, or my product. But I think, you know, a lot of, I used to teach public presentations, right? And a lot of it is like, there are standard outlines, standard formats, standard ways of, of putting together information that are very much a pattern and a formula. And if you don't know them or you're not thinking of the right one, I think AI will definitely help us um, in that. Absolutely. Emmy, what about you? Well, I agree. It's, we're still exploring here. Um, what I can say is that a blank sheet of paper is really hard. And so even when you have a message to deliver that seems relatively simple, uh, something like a chat GPT can be good to get your thoughts rolling. And then um, largely when I've used that, I go, well, that's not what I really want to say. And I completely rewrite it. But it still gives me just that little oomph to uh, get a project started that I might be struggling with in terms of how do I say this or how do I structure this, like Daniel had mentioned earlier. But ultimately, um, I am a little bit skeptical. I, I believe it's a helpful tool for what I just said, but I can't see it as a replacement because communication is personal and human. And that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about ways to really have expressive communication, authentic, real people communication use, with the use of technology. And that will require people, not a complete replacement. I love that. I, you know, and I, yes, we need people. It is, it is not a silver bullet, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes as we look in the future along with where. I'm excited to see where our tools go. Well, Daniel and Emmy, we, it is time we move into our speed round. So for anyone who's new to listening to this, this is our speed round questions. They're meant to be quick, short answers to quick questions, but their questions are decided by the roll of a die. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our speed round. All right, so I've got two dice here. I've got a, a white die and a black die. Just keeps it easy to keep them separated. Emmy, we'll give you the white one. Daniel, we'll give you the black one. We're gonna roll them at the same time. You might get different questions and that's okay, but here we go. Let me switch over to our, our infamous uh, dice cam here, if I can find the right button. All right, here we go. We've got, so Emmy, you're gonna get question 10 and Daniel, you're gonna get question number five. So. Emmy, starting with you, obviously you're you're all in on this workplace communication. So what's the next big thing for you that you're going to work on? The next big thing that we're working on is helping people get started and leaning into possibilities. So that sounds really broad, but what we are learning is that people need to see very specifically for their role how to move forward with an asynchronous habit. Like 
perhaps the metric share out really resonated with you today or the replacement agenda. Um, but we're finding that we have to help connect the dots more. So I'm trying to work to partner with different um, users of Snagit already, companies who are relying on us to work more closely on connecting these loose ideas that might feel a little uncomfortable to getting started by trying something in the software and moving forward. So um, I'd say the short form of that is just working as a coach and nudging people forward and being here to continue to learn and respond to questions as needed. Fantastic. So Daniel, your question was number five. You are truly an expert at the stuff that we've been talking about today. You've gained that expertise. Uh, and you know, you get to, we, there's a lot of stuff that we talk about that's in your bio, the things that you've done, the software companies, all that kind of stuff. You're a public speaker, but what's something you're an expert in that we might not know about? Uh, well, I don't know about expert, but uh, I do a lot of board gaming and I just, I love playing new games. The one that I just got an expansion for was Wingspan. Mm. Uh, a lot of, a lot of folks out there playing that one right now. And I just got my first expansion for that. So I do eventually, sometimes I'll play a game enough where I'll, I'll like really study it because I get tired of losing and then I try to figure <laughs> out how to win. And it is worth noting that at one point in TechSmith history, Daniel did make it into the TechSmith calendar and, and was the, uh, Catan, oh, you're featured as playing Catan and it was a big deal. It was a big deal back in like 2008, I think. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe that put me a little ahead of the, the board gaming curve, you know? I don't know. Maybe I was early on something in my life. <laughs> Perhaps you were, but it's uh, it speaks well to you. And, and what, what a great thing to be known for. So, all right, let's do one more question each for you. So here we go. Those dice are rolling. And we'll start, Daniel, we'll start with you this time with question number 11. What's one resource you think everybody should know about? Now, obviously, this could be a TechSmith resource, something about workplace comms, but it could be something broader than that as well. Oh, man, that's really hard not to give you something uh, TechSmith related. I would say if folks haven't yet gone and checked out the level up and I know, maybe, is this a plant? Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> if, if folks haven't gone out and checked out our level up event, uh, I am just really thrilled with it, all the work that all the presenters put in and the organizers. It was a super fun event. I'm sorry if you couldn't make it live. It was a hoot uh, to be there as part of it. But even if you're just coming to the replay and then all of that, we broke down all kinds of deliverables and takeaways. Um, go check that out. There, I'm sure can be a link in the, in the show notes. Emmy and I did a, a presentation there that we keep finding interest in. People keep kind of coming back to that and saying like, I, I, those concepts are helpful. So anyway, I'm biased, but yeah, I think that would be helpful. Yeah. I, you know, I was going to make sure it got mentioned. We will put the link in the show notes and, you know, if anyone likes a little fun at the end, there's, you know, there's maybe a game show hosted by yours truly. So and it's it, cool. It's it, fun. It was a fun event. And it was, I mean, just so much great information. I know it's one of the things I walked away from that I'm like, oh, you know, taking notes and learning from. So it was, it was awesome. So, I mean, you, you got a four on the die. So it's, uh, what tip or best practice not mentioned today that you'd want to share with us? So we talked a lot about workplace communications. Anything that you'd like, you know what, Matt, you didn't talk to me about this. So I really need to make sure this gets shared. Anything like that? I'll just, maybe I mentioned it, but it's worth re-mentioning the seven minute rule. If you find yourself and you're going to be in a meeting where you're talking directly at people for more than seven minutes, then consider recording that and flipping it. Conversely, if you're recording a video and you're hitting that seven minute mark, 
wrap it up and then schedule the synchronous part. So there's something to be said about attention span and engagement that over a certain time period, you're just going to lose people. So using that seven minute mark is my personal, um, still vetting it myself, um, a tip for you, but I, I think you'll find it useful. I, I love it. It's very practical, right? I can, re I can remember seven minutes is my cutoff. All right. Uh, Daniel and Emmy, obviously you've got a lot more to share than what we can cover in a single podcast. Where can people find you or is there anything you would like to, to let us know about that we haven't talked about already? Love to have you find me on LinkedIn and connect. Um, I really like hearing stories about people trying out concepts like this and what they're learning and what works and what doesn't, because all of that feeds into, you know, my view of, of how to help uh, guide and, and uh, coach all this. Emmy, what about you? Yes, please find us on LinkedIn. And I'll speak for Daniel on this, too. I think the favorite part of our job is speaking to our own customers, but also speaking to anyone who's in this space who has interest to hear your stories. And that's one thing that we don't want to replace async. We would love to actually spend some time getting to know anyone who wants to give us 15 minutes on your calendar. Yeah, and we will link to your LinkedIn profiles in the show notes so that way it makes it easy for anyone that wants to connect and find you. Okay, guys, as we wrap up today's show, we always like to do our final take. So uh, Daniel, we'll start with you and then Emmy will have you wrap us up. So Daniel, what is your final take? I think as you're thinking about communication at work, um, think about what you prefer and what helps you be most productive. Think about your team and what's gonna work best to move work forward in your team. And then, and then think about how you might be able to impact the org. Even though you might not be sitting at the top of the org, you will be able to make a, a change by doing things differently and finding more efficiency in it. So just, just really thinking about all of your interactions are so important. And what are you learning from the last one that you can apply to the next one? Perfect, and Emmy, what about you? What's your final take? Don't worry about boiling the ocean, so to speak, and changing your whole workplace culture at once. Just pick one new thing and try one new thing and see where that leads you. And if it's clunky at first, of course it is. Don't give up on it. Um, that's how we learn. And we uh, like to say, make it 1% better the next time. And you'll be amazed at where you are six to eight months from now. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today on the Visual Lounge. Thank you, Matt. You bet. Yeah, thanks. All right, everybody, you heard it here. You can go out and try these things. As Emmy said, that 1% rule is such a beautiful thing when you're communicating, when you're trying to get better at anything. So go try one of these things. You can always let Daniel and Emmy know. If you don't want to go through that process, you want to let us know at The Visual Lounge. You can email us at The Visual Lounge or just at TechSmith on social media if that's your thing as well. We'd love to hear from you and, and love to hear, like, does this make your communication better? Have you tried it out? Have you applied any of these principles? Because we know, like I have said very openly, Communication is hard. It's hard to get good at it. It's hard to make sure it's fitting in when I'm the communicator or I'm getting overloaded and inundated with all these meetings and things I have to do. You know, we just want to make it like, your life a little bit easier. And of course, we've got tools that can help you do that, like Snagit and Camtasia. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we hope you take a little bit of time to level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.